Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another special interlude episode of Vampire the Masquerade for the old ways. Again, it is not Blood Moon Rising anymore, as the Blood Moon itself has done rose. So for now, we're just referring to the interludes. And tonight, we are going to visit in on our favorite young Tremere and his tortured soul. So speaking of said tortured Tremere, Let's have an introduction. Hi, I'm John, and I'll be playing Vince, the broken soul Markovich of Clan Tremere. Yes, indeed, you will. And maybe you can find some redemption, but who knows? Dubious at best. Also depends on how hard you want to work for it. Well, it turns out it's really hard, you guys. <laughs> yeah, really hard. Mm. All right, so... It is about December 8th or 9th. It's been a month since the Blood Moon and all of those events, which means it's been a month since you diablerized someone. No biggie, right? Yeah. Yeah, no no big deal. Definitely not a mark against me in our society. Nope. It's not like anyone would be able to see your tainted aura at all in the yeah, slightest. It's, it's not like <laughs> anyone is able to just look at me and say, Oh. Well, they'd have to be specifically looking at your aura, but yes. So, it is a chilly, drizzly night. December tends to get a bit rainy in the Bay Area. You get those really freezing cold winds off the Pacific. It's not, you know, Siberia cold, but it's still chilly enough that mortals wear sweaters and jackets and things. And... The wind means you probably don't want to be out too much lest it rupture your eardrums. Not that you're too worried about that. So, when we left off season one, Vince was in a bit of a predicament. As Marcus's whole declaration of independence would probably have left Billy the Hammer with the idea that maybe Vince had betrayed him. So... Uh, where, where is Vince now? Is he still in his little bungalow? What, what is he doing? Vince has uh, abandoned the bungalow. <laughs> he, realizing that William the Hammer Mallet definitely knows where he lives because uh, he sent people there before and sent letters there before they ever met, Vince probably isn't safe there because it's not in Marcus's territory. <laughs> It's well within Camarilla territory. <laughs> so, realizing the risk to himself and Mina, he is going to take her book and a selection of, from the library. Uh, he's going to pack up a bunch of stuff and he is going to leave. The, <laughs> the basement surgery, he's not too sure what to do with. He just locks the door. <laughs> uh pockets the key. You know, it, it's been cleaned since all the crazy stuff happened, so. And he's got Karen's skull. That's that's coming, too. But yeah, no, it, it'll just look like a weird uh, apartment decoration now for his new dockside apartment in an old repurposed warehouse. He's got some money still. Turns out not having to pay rent means you can do a lot of saving when you earn decent money um, and also uh, not having to buy food helps 
and he doesn't have that many costs. And, you know, not being super rich enough to go off and buy ancient tomes, you know, that limits your options, but if you can't do it, you can't do it. So yeah, Vince is able to afford his little apartment for now. I'm sure having Marcus in charge of the the district helps a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that is definitely something in Vince's favor for now. <laughs> Vince is also very keenly aware of the fact that uh, he just might be a special target for Billy the Hammer because he had been given a task and didn't complete it. And then Marcus goes and does this. And even though Vincent absolutely did betray him, Billy guessing or knowing about that betrayal is different to Billy not knowing about it. So he's going to uh, still be keeping a pretty low profile. Only leaves to feed and, you know, go for walks to uh, try and clear his head. Other than that, he spends an awful lot of time doing research from the books Karen left him and Phoebe Van Ness's tome that he managed to get from from our friend. So you're you're spending some time with the tome you retrieved from Dima? Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll get to that in, in a minute. Um, first thing on this particular night that I want from you is a rouse check. Of course. You've missed these, haven't you? I missed them so. Success. Okay. So you've been keeping yourself fairly well fed uh, in this place. And uh, what? actually, why don't we hear a little bit about how Vince feeds now? Because bagged blood doesn't do it as well for him in his current state of humanity. And he's not working at the hospital anymore. So you're feeding more regularly and that's helping you keep stable when it comes to rousing your blood. But uh, how exactly are you are you doing that? Well, Vince's technique now is mostly to commute. He doesn't want to feed where he lives. He feels like that's probably a bad call. And, you know, feeding on Marcus's territory without Marcus's explicit permission will probably also a bad idea. So he goes out to a small middle-class suburb. What Vince has been doing is jimmying open windows uh, in in the dead of night and draining just enough blood to sate his hunger using his distance feeding technique and then closing the window and escaping into the night doing his best to leave no trace so you are now a sandman predator which allows you to maintain a kind of grasp on what little humanity you have left and prevents you from getting close enough to drain someone necessarily, which is a good thing for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where Vince is like, kind of don't, I don't need to do it. Kind of want it, but I don't need to do it. So you're, you're maintaining a bit of control there, which might help you in the long run. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So tonight you've woken up. You're feeling all right. Not super hungry. You fed last night. And you want to do a little bit of studying on this tome that you retrieved from Dima, this, the serial killer. And uh, you, you've looked at it a few times, but you haven't done a whole lot of sit down and actual study on it, the, the memories associated with this book are particularly traumatic. Mm-hmm. So I would like you to give me a role here. So you're going to give me a cult plus intelligence. Back to form. So a messy critical. <laughs> All right. So with a messy critical here, you start actually sitting down and focusing on this on this tome. And almost immediately, you have a realization as as you're making a focused study of of a particular chapter. This tome is fake. And so the messy critical 
actually makes sense here because you realize you let someone you knew die horribly mm. for a fake tome. Vince just closes it and puts his head in his hands and he's just like, oh, Christ. So a messy critical means that when you succeed, the beast kind of takes over a little bit, clouds your judgment, and, and something happens. What, what do you think happens as Vince realizes what he's done in this moment? The beast comes out during this. So in the past, we've had the beast make Vince kind of more cold and uncaring. Um, Vince's initial reaction is, oh Christ, what have I done? But then all the things he thought at the time kind of kick in again anyway. And he's like, well, look, she was middle-aged for a human. She was, it was all downhill from there for her. Just the beast is in him just being like, I mean, really, you did a favor because even though she died by having sulfuric acid injected in her veins, <laughs> that is better than to die the slow, horrible death of old age. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Vince is like that. That kind of does make sense. So I, I think as you as you have that realization and you you justify it to yourself, uh, I, I think your compulsion here is going to kick in. And the Tremere compulsion is perfectionism. Mm-hmm. So as you're justifying things to yourself, you're also telling yourself, but next time I have to do things right. Yeah, absolutely. And next mm-hmm. time... Next time I won't just take a tome on the chance of it of a serial killer happening to have stolen something from <laughs> the house of a clan whip. <laughs> that was actually very naive of me. <laughs> so this perfectionism is gonna kind of carry on for this scene. Mm-hmm. Everything you do has to be exactly right. It's almost a bit of penance, right? For not doing this thing right. You're reminding yourself, no, it has to be exact. I have to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. And so until you get a critical on a skill roll or until we finish, Mm -hmm. you're going to take a two die penalty on skill checks. Okay. As you obsessively try to do things over and over to get them correct. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds so good. What do you do with the book once you've realized it's fake? All right. Well, I know Dima could do magic, but what are the odds of him putting something actually useful to me in a book that he think that he wanted to give to me as a test? Specifically a test of whether or not I embraced my clan's values over my values. I don't think there's actually going to be anything usable in this. (laughs) So I think with your messy critical, Mm -hmm. you realize there's nothing really in here. There's some rituals and things, but they're ones you already know or that you have from Karen's journal. And everything else is just complete bullshit. They're things that he made up, it looks like. Or that he took from other people who made them up. Some of this is just copied and pasted from Wikipedia. What the fuck? (laughs) He just wrote out the definition of a a ritual from... Oh, what a prick. (laughs) I was at least hoping to learn some wordings from this, but oh, no, I guess not. Um. No, not really. Uh, And he, he really was a prick. If you can't trust a serial killer, who can you trust? An age-long question that we're not going to find the answer to tonight. Especially on San Francisco. He is like, okay, well, I have an idea for how this could be useful. So I won't throw it away, because Vince is kind of... (laughs) Vince is currently in a mode where he needs to be making the the most use of 
every resource available to him. <laughs> so he's like, well, nothing else. Look, it's it's got a good leather cover. Maybe I can sell it as a antique. Although it won't stand up to scrutiny because it's very clearly new. That's how I noticed. <laughs> Goddamn bullshit. Yeah, when, when you started really focusing on the book, you realized that the illumination that was done mm-hmm. in the text to make it look Middle Ages, kind of, was done with inks that wouldn't have been available at the time. That's how you figured it out. But yeah, he's like, well, a regal collector won't, will obviously know that it's fake. But, I mean, I could probably sell it to somebody like a pawn shop, I don't know. Or I can use it as a distraction. Or I can, you know, he's, he's trying to think of ways he could use this book in the future, just not as he wanted to. So he's being very pragmatic. Yeah. He's also kind of like, well, it does match the binding of books from Phoebe Van Ness's library. So maybe he could trick someone else in the heat of the moment in future. That's a good point. Maybe you could. Hmm. So he's like, look, it's not useless. It's just useless right now. <laughs> and he he absolutely like th- throws it on the floor. He's like, this book is garbage. Maybe it would be useful for someone else, but not for Vince. But speaking of books, have you been reading Tamina? Yeah, as as part of his attempts to be who he used to be. Vince still reads Tamina. He um. He'll read a whole chapter of Dorian Gray instead of just a few paragraphs, even though the language makes him trip up all the time, even though he's like done it so many times, he doesn't care. He's just like a lot of the reason he was so okay with killing eight to ten people was because it wasn't just him. You know, he he viewed it as saving Mina as well. Certainly, Uh, even if (laughs) that even if she would have been fine after he died you know she was sick at the time from what was affecting him so he did what he had to do it just so happens that uh, then he went a bit too far for her um, so yeah he, he still reads to her he's got his copy and he's got her book rather and he just lays it out and just reads to her and just even if she doesn't give any reaction that night he just does it. Yeah, Mina's been pretty quiet ever since she manifested that one night and you realized that the taint of your aura had spread to her those strange black ripples and cracks through her manifestation. She's been pretty quiet. You'll occasionally get some scratchings on paper or the occasional phantasmal spider running across your coffin. But she seems a lot more tired She was very freaked out when you brought her book to this new location because she doesn't recognize it. She doesn't know where everything is. She hasn't been to a new place in so many years. And for the first couple weeks, you didn't even know if she was listening when you were reading to her. But now you're kind of back in the routine and you read to her and kind of ruffles your hair a little bit with a with a bit of wind and there's some scratching on, on a bit of paper and the paper floats up how you feeling and uh and sits and looks at it for a moment and he's just like you know he, he's very clearly thinking about it and he's like you know I think the worst part is that I'm not feeling I'm not used to this. I I used to be better. I think I'm becoming a monster. And I don't want to. I looked. No picture in attic. <laughs> he, he does laugh at that. He's like, oh, are you sure? I thought, I thought it affected. He didn't have to stay in the house for the picture to work. True. How are kindred He's like, um, they're pretty good. So I told you about Marcus's, uh, Marcus's thing. I mean, that's why we moved here. 
Anarch nephew. Never thought would see the night. Just like, well, I mean, you know, he's taken a lot. He's lived long enough to take a lot of stuff from the from the Camarilla. They betrayed him more than once. I'm sure he had his reasons. But yeah, everybody's doing okay. We've had a. I had a talk with Marcus. Um, I might might be able to help him out, repay the favors that he's given me by setting up a clinic here to take care of the uh, dock workers. I don't know if I'm able to. I mean, I don't feel much of anything when I see an injured person anymore. Definitely not an impulse to help, but I might be able to find myself again in doing it, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping people will help me which is pretty selfish but it's all I got find Kate I promised I would alright so Kate Markovich and he he takes out a little uh, spiral bound notebook and he's like alright what do we know about her Tremere I think uh, since we moved it's only since we moved that he's learned that Mina was a vampire and that Karen has been turning select members of his family. And he's like, okay, <laughs> I thought I was special. I guess I'm just <laughs> even less special than I thought. Uh, okay, so we know she's a clan Tremere. You explained to me that my aura is tainted for a year. So he's like, I can't really interact with many vampires for that year. I've got to keep a low profile until that's gone. Cause because otherwise they'll they'll just fucking murder me. So I've gotta I've gotta be careful. Um, he's like <laughs> he laughs, he's like, but hey, we have all the time in the world. He's like, that that wasn't very funny. I'm sorry. And he goes back to taking his notes. He's like, okay, so what did she look like? Hair color? Red. Oh, he's kinda of like, oh, like Karen. That was really weird, Karen. Oh, <laughs> like I feel like he, every time he's like, "Oh, like Karen," he's like, "Oh, Karen, you turned someone that looks like you." What the hell? <laughs> what did she enjoy before being turned, Mina? She liked theater, going to, mm-hmm. not acting. Oh, she didn't want to chase the limelight. <laughs> no, writing plays. He's like, oh. Well, I I have some connections. Sir Roger. He's like, oh yeah, Sir Wall, Sir Roger Pendley Thumb. Thumb. He's like, yes, of course. Uh, I met him. Get name right. And the pencil hits you in the head. Look, it's not an easy one to say. I think he made it that way on purpose. <laughs> yes, probably. Sir Roger Pendley Thumb was... He was very kind when I met him. I don't think Malkavians can see auras, so we might be okay. I could always write him a letter or a card. He's like, yeah. So that might, he's like, although I have gone off the whole Camarilla path, but I might be able to lean on Karen as a mutual, even though she's dead. He's like, I, look, leave it with me. I've got an idea. Okay, so. Maybe ask grandmother. <laughs> it's kind of laughs. He's like, you know, I can't. I might have time to ask the question before she boils the blood in my veins. Shouldn't have eaten her child. Idiot. <laughs> well, he shouldn't have murdered my sire. Could have just killed. I mean, you're not wrong there. I got caught up in the heat of the moment. And... I got caught up in my quest for vengeance. I... No. Duh. And I didn't realize it would affect you. Again. I'm sorry. I don't know how many times he has said that to her, but I feel like he's still saying it. <laughs> Gonna be saying it for a long time. Vampires are petty enough. Dead vampires must be even worse. Well, I, I don't think I can lean on Clan Tremere too much. Some of the... We don't even know who in particular in San Francisco is still alive. Some of the 
contacts I would have been able to make through Karen's notebook. I, or just through her as my, as my sire, I don't think I can lean on because, um, well, not everyone got cured. Are you curing? Oh, Vince has absolutely been going around. He will help anyone, Camarilla or not. He does not care what your affiliation is. It's partly out of spite to Lamb. <laughs> but he's just like, yeah, uh, I've been using my blood and I, he insists that they provide their own human um, because he does not want to do that or learn how to do that. So it's kind of word of mouth. He, he comes to your place. He, you know, just shows up gets it done within the evening he'll do group session he doesn't charge much money he's like look this is a the equivalent of a public health emergency and I need to earn favors and a good reputation in vampire society more than anything so that's what I'm gonna do it even though it seems selfless, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. Yes, everyone who's come to you for for the cure, the uh, the understanding is implicit that they owe you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one in vampire society does anything for free. Not even idealistic young people. No. So, kindred society is healing since mm-hmm. you found this cure and. It's not as hopeless. The tainted heroine is still on the streets, right? You don't know Hmm. how much of it was released into the population of San Francisco, and it's impossible to find it because it's heroin. You don't know what's tainted and what's not, so people are still becoming infected. But cases are down because now everyone knows don't feed from druggies. And they know that they can get cured. You do still have a few who refuse to get the cure because they don't want anything to do with a Tremere. They don't last very long. Yeah. uh, (laughs) They don't get to come back when they change their mind at the end. And then there's a few who don't want anything to do with you because you're an independent since you left the Camarilla. There's a couple Ventru who refuse to get the cure from you. And then bafflingly you've had a few who you cured who then decided that they couldn't get it again because they'd already had it once and so they went out and fed indiscriminately and ended up getting sick again and it turns out your cure does not work on a second round yeah so Vince is like everybody still has to be careful (laughs) You know, he, he passes information to people that, to vampires that other vampires might actually listen to rather than making announcements himself. So he'll go through Marcus and Alex and everybody he knows, and, and Katarina, obviously. Uh, Ram, he'll use to tell the Malkavians, but he doesn't know how, how helpful that's going to be. It's, if you get it a second time, it's terminal. It can't be cured. But you've been you've been doing the work, and Mina knows this, which mm-hmm. is why she might be subtly reminding you that you do have some favors you can call in with all the work that you've been doing. So just something to think about. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, I think Vince is still <laughs> he's still new enough in Vampire Society that he's not used to having anything to flex. <laughs> As last season showed, he is very much still regarded as a baby. (laughs) So he's kind of (laughs) like... Yes, but when the neonate has the cure for a deadly infection, things start changing. Yeah. So Mina just writes, tired, and the pencil drops to the table. Thanks for chatting. So... As, as you say that, uh, your cell phone rings. 
Nothing good ever comes of this, but he does pick it up. Would I would I do something horrible to you with a phone call, John? What would I do that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Your phone rings and your caller ID says Robin. And Vince tries to summon up all the memories of the good times with Robin. And he's really struggling too. But also he remembers that he promised Robin a favor. That have dinner with him and his husband. <laughs> and he's like Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> so yeah, he's going to... He's going to answer. He's going to be like, Hey, Robin. Uh, what's up? Hey, Vince. It's uh, It's been a little bit. About a month, actually. It has. I, um... Thanks again for loaning me your car. It, uh... It really did save my life. <laughs> he's like, no, It's no exaggeration to say that to you. Well... Anything to help an old friend, right? Exactly. But, uh, can we, can we meet tonight? I, I've got something I need to talk to you about, and I went to see you, but your house is all locked up. Yeah, I, I, uh, had to move. Part of the trouble. Um, I can meet you wherever you want. Great. Um, I mean, Coffee? Tastes like ash in my mouth, but at least I can pretend to sip. <laughs> yeah, coffee sounds good. Do you suggest a place in your area, you're in Marcus's territory, or are you going out of the territory to meet him? Vince will go out of the territory to meet him. He doesn't want... It's kind of like this thing where he doesn't want Robin to get too closely involved with all this, if only to protect him. Even if he's, like, only doing it because he feels he has to. Not because he feels he wants to. He still will try and protect his old friend. All right. So you give Robin the name of a little coffee shop that you know is open into the night. It's down near the Castro. Mm -hmm. And you know Marcus has mentioned having friends in the Castro. You don't really know what's on about that, but... Marcus has mentioned it as being a fairly safe place for independence to go. And you know for a fact that one of the Oakland Anarch Biker Gangs has been seen in the Castro quite a bit. So perhaps it's it's a bit of a safer place for you. Mm -hmm. So you give him the uh, the address of the of the coffee shop and uh, it's called It's a Whole lot Latte Nothing. And you, <laughs> you make your way to it's a whole latte nothing, and mm -hmm. it's actually fairly quiet. It's early December, and because of the the cold and everything, there's not a whole lot of performances or, or people moving around outside down near the Castro even. And it is a very windy night, and you walk in and you see Robin sitting at a back table. So why don't you give us a description of Robin? Yeah, sure. Robin is like six foot three, a really handsome dude. He's just one of those people that you're like, oh yeah, that guy, if he wanted, could have been an actor or a model. But he didn't do that. He's just... <laughs> if you want a person to think of, think of a very tall Chris Pine. <laughs> Yeah, no, just like kind of blondy brown hair. And uh, at the moment, he, for some reason, Vince can't understand. He's rocking a goatee. He, Vince thinks that's probably his husband's influence at work. He's Probably, yes. Yeah, he's like, does, does not suit. Yeah, it, you know that, that Jamie's very into facial hair and personal mm -hmm. grooming so that that's probably Jamie's idea yeah <laughs> Vince Vince is kind of like mm. <laughs> that's a choice <laughs> yeah it really doesn't suit his face <laughs> it's mirror universe Chris Pine yeah exactly <laughs> so Robin smiles slightly as he looks up and he sees you and he gestures to the the seat across from him Vince sits down. It's like, hey, Robin, how's it going? Well, it goes. And his hand is shaking slightly. 
his left hand, you can see his wedding band. And and he looks up at you. He's got a cup of coffee in front of him. And I'd like you to give me a roll here. Mm-hmm. So I want you to give me I think intelligence and awareness. Oh boy, here we go. Three or four successes. Okay. So he seems a little uncomfortable. So, something's bothering him. But you can't quite figure out what's going on. You're not sure if it's because he hasn't seen you in three years. Maybe the goatee is making him uncomfortable. Maybe it itches. Who knows? You, you're just aware that something is slightly off. Yeah. This is just going to sit across from I think with his low humanity, Vince is just going to be a little like, look, I uh, I know it's been a while, but something's upsetting you. Uh, is it is it the goatee? He lets out a slight chuckle. No, no, not that. He strokes it absentmindedly. Although, I kind of like it now. Vince just leans back and he shakes his head. He's like, it's so sad to see you broken like this, my friend. He, he smiles slightly and leans back in his seat. So, what have you been up to, Vince? Vince, like, strokes his face. And he's like, well, I quit my job in the hospital. I, uh, I couldn't handle it anymore. I don't know if I'm uh, becoming... And he, he kind of like looks to the side. He's like, I think I just saw too much death, you know? I just... Robin nods slowly. And he tilts his head a bit. He really is a very handsome man, even with the goatee. He's so pretty. He is. Good thing Vince no longer feels any sexual compulsions, though. None whatsoever. Yep. Just like, yeah, so uh, I left that. I uh, I had to leave the house. There was uh, too many memories. Karen is a, uh, Karen's dead. He just like nods slowly. He's like, a lot of stuff changed in uh, a short period of time, actually. <laughs> and uh, I'm still kind of dealing with that. How, how about you? Hmm. Well, there's been some significant changes as well. He fiddles with the ring on his finger. It's been uh, an interesting time for me. But I've, I've come to realize, Vince, that I have so much time to do things and to, to figure things out. What's the point of, of rushing anything? twisting the ring back and forth on his finger. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, you have... You're still young. You're, uh... You know, I mean... He's like, as humans go, you're not even halfway through your life cycle. As humans go. Interesting phrasing there, Vince. Uh, just, you know... He's like, again, I've seen too much death. A waitress comes up and asks you if you'd like to order anything. Vince is like, can I get an Americano in a to-go cup? I'm still going to sit here, but it's just so I can take it with me when I leave. I drink really slow. Yeah, sure, hon, whatever. So Robin's just sitting there and he cocks his head slightly and he looks at you. Americano? Really? He just shrugs. He's like, look, I, um, I don't know what to tell you, man. I just, I don't need anything more than that. There's a slight smile on Robin's face. He leans forward and temples his fingers. It's a very interesting gesture. You swear you've seen it before. Yeah, and Vince is like, this isn't very (laughs) Robin-like. And he just sort of looks at you 
over his templed fingers and says, So when were you going to tell me you're a vampire, Vince? <laughs> Vince is just like looking at him, blinking. He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he's like, not even trying to lie or anything. He's just very obviously completely flatting flatting this because he's got the gray skin. (laughs) He's got (laughs) like Vince is not doing good (laughs) here. He's uh, he's just like after all, vampires don't exist, Robin. Oh yes, we do. Motherfucker. He's like, all right, all right. Well, I've got a question for you. How long have you been a vampire? He laughs, this deep, low, throaty chuckle. And he just unconsciously strokes his goatee a little bit. Oh, not that long, really. I mean, I'm a newborn compared to you, I'm sure. But, uh... I, I met this this man at uh, at a bar, really nice bar, jazz bar. Jamie and I were out for drinks, and it's really, really polite, older man, English accent, such a sexy accent, you know. And he dressed so well, and. Robin tugs gently at the lapel on his collared shirt. And, uh, he, he just said that, uh, you know, he was he was a friend of yours and he was worried about you. And we started talking and he told me so many things, Vince. So many things that make sense now. And, and well... He told me about all of this, and he just sort of gestures between the two of you. And, uh, well, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Jamie, too. It's been... It's been a very interesting month. Vince, like, stops and looks at him over, like... Like, Vince puts both elbows on the table, folds his arms, and is just looking at him. He's like... So let me get this straight. He he embraced you and Jamie. Holy shit. Who the fuck was this guy? He's like, wait, 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 wait. And he basically describes <laughs> Oscar Wilde. Oh, no, no, no. Not Sebastian. No. No, this was... Uh... Oh, I, I, his name's William. <laughs> And Vince leans back and puts his head in his hand. And he's just like, that explains how he got to have two. I don't know how much he's told you yet, but usually there's rules on how many you can embrace. Mm, but 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 Vince, uh, he's, he has explained it to me. And when you're the, the prince regent of, of town, you make those decisions, don't you? And, uh, well, he's he's in charge right now, so he gets to do what he wants. Which is a wonderful way to live. Don't you think? And now that he's stroking that goatee, like you're picking up, like now you recognize those mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Goatee, the templing, the fingers, and even just the slight cadence. Yeah. Big. And you you pick up, like his skin is paler. Like he was already fairly white guy, but mm. he looks paler and he hasn't touched that cup of coffee not once since you sat down and so now you're realizing what felt off this whole time you weren't quite able to pick up on it because you weren't expecting it at all but it's kind of all fitting together at the moment so Vince just looks at him and he's like oh Robin I tried to protect you. And he just like puts his head in his hands. He's like, fuck me. Oh, protect me from what, Vince? 
eternal life. That doesn't sound very friendly of you. Did Billy send you here to kill me? Or to show that he went after the only humans left that I gave a fuck about? Of course I'm not here to kill you, Vince. We're friends. Okay, well... What did Billy tell you about about the independence and our little operation that we're doing? Oh, Vincent. Vincent, Vincent, Vincent. And he's just like, oh god, this guy has literally never called me Vincent. <laughs> he's gone full Ventru. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not sure if this is just he's a new vampire and he's still holding on to things from his sire because you remember when you were first embraced the first couple months you acted a lot like Karen as mm -hmm. her Vitae coursed through your veins or if it's just being a Ventru dick but it might be a little bit of both it oh. might be a little bit of both yeah done some very interesting things from, from what my sire tells me and do you know my my sire being me tugs his collar again being the prince regent of uh mm -hmm of San Francisco. He knows quite a lot. And uh I've heard you've you've lost your way, Vince, that you've you've gone down a, a strange path and well, my sire being who he is is very concerned. And I I asked I told him I I, I could talk to you that maybe maybe we could figure it out. Is we are friends, it's, and now we're we can be friends forever. And he smiles, and Vince laughs. He's like, "Oh, oh no, you you haven't been a vampire long enough yet." So okay, um, I've got really, really bad news, buddy. Vampires don't have friends. Vampires have people they prey on, and vampires they exploit. And vampires they are exploited by. We're trying to do something different, but Camarilla are... Remember those guys in the neighborhood when we were growing up? And, uh, you know, the ones who kind of gave me no choice except to steal drugs from where I worked... Or else, things would happen to my mom, things would happen to you, things would happen to anyone I gave a fuck about. That's what the Camarilla is. And he's like, I know you're new, and I know you, you're going to be told everything by the hammer, but the Cam are bastards. They really, really don't have anyone's best interests at heart. The masquerade is necessary, we all know that, but the cam don't care. They don't give a flying fuck. What happens to you? What happens to me? Here's the worst news in the world for you. Did, uh, did Billy tell you that you and Jamie would get to be together forever? Or did he tell you the truth, which is that eventually you will more than likely grow apart because you will become less, less who you were. And hell, he might just drive you apart for fun. The guy who sired you is a monster. Like, I am a monster, but he's so much worse. I'm not a good person anymore, but the hammer is worse. He lets out this deep, throaty chuckle, and he leans forward and says, Forever. Forever has a different meaning when we're us. I already know that. And we understand. 
that marriage being forever doesn't really have the same meaning when you're both eternal. But we're happy for now. And he puts his finger up to his nose and starts slowly tapping. This is a gesture you're used to from him. This is this is a Robin gesture, not a Ventru gesture. Yeah. And then he looks you in the eyes and he says, Jamie had cancer. Vince. Stomach cancer. You know what that's like. You know what the prognosis is. Vince nods. He's seen enough cases of it at the hospice. William, our sire, has given us time, Vince. Years that we never would have had. I don't have to sit here and watch him go. I don't have to watch him waste away in a hospice bed, being destroyed from the inside out. And even if we drift apart, if we decide other things, we have time now, Vince. Time we wouldn't have gotten. William didn't have to turn Jamie. If all he wanted was to hurt you, and he laughs, thinking this is all about you, he didn't have to offer to embrace Jamie. I was embraced first. I made the choice without Jamie coming with me. And then he chose to save his life. Sometimes, Vince, you have to understand whatever you are. Things aren't all about you. Which is a bit rich coming from a Ventru, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say it, but he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> he's just like, so, uh... He's like, I didn't know about the cancer. I'm sorry about that. But... Of course you didn't. Because you didn't bother to keep up. Cut us out. Could have made up some excuses for why we could only meet at night. You could have kept in contact by text for fuck's sake. Vince is just like, well, now that you have a sire, you know how important the orders you get from them are. So when my sire said that I had to cut cease communication with you, I had to. And that's what I did for her. Because I loved her. I'm sure he's uh, told you probably nothing about it. Karen was actually, nor I'm finding out about her. He, he like looks into the middle distance. He's like, kind of a psychotic bitch. Yes, I heard about the death cults. He's like, oh, the death cults aren't even the thing. We all do the death cult thing at some point. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but apparently it's just part of the process. <laughs> you haven't? You haven't. <laughs> That's Rena. That that that's not Robin. That that's that's storyteller Rena going. Excuse me. I kidnapped. A, I had a bunch of people kidnapped. That's not a death cult. <laughs> no one was there voluntarily. <laughs> it's only a death cult if they're there voluntarily. <laughs> now I might have killed people in a cultish manner, <laughs> but that's different. We do what our sires tell us to do. Yes. But William has also taught me the importance of standing up for yourself, as long as you do it respectfully. That's why I asked him if we could meet. Just talk. Instead of us meeting and him showing up out of the blue like he wanted to do. Vince is kind of like, he had, he had not considered this possible outcome, and he's just like, Hmm. Yeah. That would have, uh, not ended well for me. Thanks for that. You, you're aware that I, uh, betrayed your sire, of course. I'm sure you told yes, you about that. Yes, but I, I told him you had to have had a good reason. 
that there were other things and, and that you were probably misguided and led astray like you were by Karen. So I, I, I'm just trying to reconcile Vince. I don't want us to be enemies. And, and you know the power that my sire wields. You know how strong he is. You know the full weight of what he can bring. Of course, I don't even understand it, being so young. But you do. You've seen some of it. And Vince, you know what he did to Marcus's grandnephew, don't you? Marcus doesn't talk about it. Yes, well, I can I can imagine seeing one of your family members uh, burn themselves to death in front of you might be a bit traumatic. <laughs> Vince is like, yeah, I uh, I actually know what that's like. I've, I've heard. I'm sure you wouldn't want to experience anything like that again. It doesn't have to be this way, Vince. Vince is just looking at him. He's like, the whole rule-based order of of what the cam offer is uh, is very tempting, isn't it? They promise you that things work a certain way, you do things, and everything is fine. Except then they lie to you, and then they double-cross you, and then they give you missions that are suicide. I'm sure he didn't mention that to you, but if I did, what? I was asked to do I would have I might as well have gone sunbathing I don't know how to tell you this but uh, I'm not coming back he nods slowly his fingers tap on the table it's another eerily William sort Mm -hmm. of gesture slow gentle tapping yes he he warned me you'd probably be stubborn just thought that maybe Maybe once you realized that you're not alone, that I'm here now and you're old friends, that maybe we could have some civilized discussion, but I see you've made up your mind. He smiles slightly. Don't worry, there's no assassination squad waiting outside. It just gives a very grim little smile. He's like, You're my friend, Vincent. I do what I can. And we have time to get to know each other. The new us, in so many ways. He just stands up, smooths out the line of his collared shirt. Doesn't even look at the now cold cup of coffee. I'm sure we'll be in touch. Vince nods. He's just like... I'm sure. I'll talk to you soon, Robin. And as he moves past you away from the table, one long white hand shoots out and grabs yours in a death grip. And he leans in as if to whisper a secret. He says, Don't talk about my sire that way, Vincent. It's not polite. And then he releases his grip on your hand and walks out. And you will you may now remove Robin Tucker as a touchstone. Yep. As he can no longer connect you to your humanity. Oh boy. That is, uh... The good news is that, um... Being the Hammer's <laughs> offspring, he probably won't have to make any terrible calls. He'll probably be reasonably protected as long as he's a good little boy. So I think that's where we'll leave Vince for the moment with these cascading revelations falling down on him. He has some plans for the future. He's reestablished home base, so to speak. But things are about to get even more complicated. So thank you all for listening on the events of this evening for our Vincent Markovich, our favorite Tremere. We hope you will tune in next time.